Hey, welcome back to the Indiana Bible College Chapel Podcast. Today we're going to listen in to Brother Georgian Pedigo, our student body president. And he's going to speak to us on the topic of undeniable. But before we get into that, I want to let you know about a couple of things that are coming up here at Indiana Bible College in Calvary Tabernacle. One of those is the Mid-America Renewal Conference happening September 7 and September 8, 2017. That's something that if you're in the Midwest region, you're going to want to make the drive over to Indianapolis for that Thursday night service all day Friday if you can. And then again, Friday night, we'll have two great speakers each night and then one speaker on Friday. Brother Tim Gaddy, Brother Paul Mooney, Brother Jerry Jones, Brother Rima Duncan, and Brother Charles Chargois are all going to be ministering in their own strength. So that's something that you're going to want to mark your calendars. Bring your whole team out and join us in worship and in the word there on that. Right now, let's listen to another word, undeniable. Praise the Lord, everyone. How about we just give some of that? I know we just got done with the praise team. I'd rather you clap for God. How about we just give some more praise? Jesus, above all else, oh God, in this moment, we need you more than ever before. As your word goes forth, we need you in this moment more than ever before. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Well, you all can be seated. I want to thank Brother Guy and Sister Guy for, first of all, leading this school so well and this student body so well. That's right. Well, go ahead and give him a hand. Those kind words, which he did not have to say. Probably probably shouldn't have said. Uh, but thank you. Um, I am going to start this little timer. I don't really know what it means. I'm usually not very long when I preach, which uh, some of you... Oh, he said we got an hour. I usually have, I don't think I've ever actually preached an hour. I know some of you are breathing in relief because I know that lunch is right after this. So I understand the expediency in which we have to get things done. But I, I wonder if we could just take a little, a little bit today and explore something. This really has been on my heart for this student body. We're going to have some fun. But I, I really feel as though I need to speak upon something. And it's not really about me. It's, it's for this student body. You see, we need something to change this year. Amen. We got a large freshman class in here and we've got a lot of upperclassmen and there's an, a well of talent and there's a well of anointing in this school but we have to know where to direct it so first i'm going to take you i thank you also student council everyone give a hand to becca and charlie these are two of the most genuine people you'll ever meet i want to thank my pastor brother paul mooney for the opportunity to be here and to be at this school and to every bit of staff member who's ever poured into me so first, I'm going to take you to Acts 9, 26 through 28. That's right. If you guys want to stand for the word, that's fine. When you got it, say amen. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in his way and how he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming and going out at Jerusalem. 
You see, I, want, I just want to talk on this simple thought today. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the wall out in the slob. We change it every year, but this is the theme for our year. And I, I really feel this is where we need to be going and where we need to be pressing. And my title today will just be Undeniable. Undeniable. So you can be seated in Jesus' name. Did anybody else, when they were a kid, you, you went through the normal thing. You tell your mom and your dad, you know, I want to be this when I grow up, and I want to be that when I grow up. Anybody? Show of hands. You wanted to be something when you grew up? Mark, what did you want to be when you grew up? He wanted to be an astronaut. Spoons, what did you want to be when you grew up? He wanted to be a firefighter. See, we all, as a child, we all knew there was things that we wanted to do. There was things we were, places we wanted to go, people we wanted to see. And things we wanted to accomplish. You see, when I was a child, Mark, I also wanted to be an astronaut. And barring some physical things, such as height and weight, that kept me from being an astronaut, I always wanted to be one. I thought it would be awesome to fly out in space. I thought it would be awesome to see the stars, to see the moon, to float with no gravity, which is the thing I struggle with each and every day. Gravity. It's my best friend. We chill. We hug every morning before I get up. But you see, I, I had this thing inside me where I, I wanted to be an astronaut, but there was something that still said, well, you know, my whole family is made up of preachers, and they said, well, you should probably be a preacher too. So I decided that I was going to be the first intergalactical preacher. And I was going to save the aliens because we all know they need Jesus too. Houston, we have revival. The spiritual dove has landed. That's what I was going to do. I thought that this was a great idea because I, I had some call. I, I felt something, but, you know, I still wanted to be an astronaut. I thought that was where I was going to go. It was so cool. And like I said, I realized, hey, you're kind of a big guy. They don't really make spacesuits in your size. Not to mention, you probably have to be good at math. It's probably just not for you. So I went through a, a whole litany of other uh, careers and career choices that I wanted to be. I wanted to be a pirate until I found out that was illegal. <laughs> and then I decided, okay, maybe being a pirate's not the best deal. I wanted to be uh, an archaeologist. I wanted to dig up dinosaurs. I, I memorized every dinosaur in the book. I could tell you, oh, that over there, that's a stegosaurus because I thought that was cool. And everybody else in my class is like, what is he talking about? Why? I never even heard of it. That's a big lizard. That's all I care about. And then I realized that basically archaeologists are just homeless professors. They, they, they not really. I mean, <laughs> so true. I mean, I, I remember I wanted to be, my dad was like, you know, you're probably not going to have any money as an archaeologist. And I was like, I probably won't get to eat anything either. And I just, I realized maybe archaeology wasn't the way to go. So I went through a litany of things that I wanted to do with my life. And somehow I decided Bible college because this is the only place where you can eat all the time. You see, this is not a story just about me. I reckon that just about every person in this place had somewhere they wanted to go or something they wanted to be before they got here, right? You know, I came here, and I heard the testimonies that people said, yeah, I was going to do this, and I was going to do that, but then I ended up at Bible college. Well, why? Why? Why does that happen? You know, I came to Bible college. I finally, I was in high school, and Quincy knows, where's Quincy? Quincy knows what I'm talking about. 
uh, he was going into the same thing I was about to go into. We were going to be communications majors in college, and we were going to go into graphic design and video editing. That's where I thought my life was going. I was going to be the next Spielberg or something. I don't know. But I thought I was really going to do something. I thought I was going to do something cool. Maybe I'll get to make the videos for North American Youth Congress. I don't know. I just thought that I was going to just do this whole Bible college thing part-time, which, by the way, before I say this, if you are doing Bible college part-time and you do not feel a call to be a full-time minister, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We need businesswomen and businessmen in that world to witness to that and to bless the church. Before I say this, I don't want to say that, but I'm, I'm coming from my perspective as a minister, okay? So I'm, I'm not degrading anybody who feels a call to business, and you are doing part-time college here. But this, is, this was just me. I felt I was just going to go somewhere else and do this whole Bible college thing part-time. But it came down to a point in my senior year where I started bawling my eyes out because I realized there was nothing else that I was going to do that made me as fulfilled as I was when we were ministering to somebody. When there was a worship service that would go forth and the Spirit of God would break out. When someone was filled with the Holy Ghost, when the preacher would get up and said something that would change my life, I realized there was nothing else that made me feel as full as that. You see, there's something about the Spirit of God that will change your life in such a way. I didn't plan on coming here like this. I didn't plan on doing this. And I, I believe that there's probably a lot of people, we may not want to talk about it, there's a lot of people in this room who had the same feeling. We were going somewhere else. We were doing something different until God said no. You see, Saul didn't want to be a preacher either. You see, Saul was a highly educated Greek-speaking Jew who ran in very high political cir circuits. And he, he knew everyone. He made the connections. He knew he had the connections in Rome. He had the connections in Jerusalem. He could go anywhere he wanted. In fact, somehow he got himself a position killing Christians because apparently there was a market for that. See, Paul didn't want to be a preacher either. He had a career path choice career path chosen out for him there's things he wanted to do with his life but it took the power of God to knock him off his horse and said Saul why are you persecuting me you see maybe it took Saul being blind to see that he had a calling of God on his life Saul didn't want to be a preacher but there was something he couldn't get away with there's something he couldn't get away from there was an undeniable call upon his life that he could not step away from there's something inside of him that says okay God I'll follow you You see, Paul didn't want to be a preacher. He just understood that's what he was called to do. Paul went and was converted and came back before the council. We see it. And they're very wary of letting him back in because like two weeks earlier, he was killing people just like them. I would be nervous too. You see, Bible college wasn't our first choice. Some of us wanted to go to secular school, get degrees, careers, job security, money. I understand that. That's all well and good. And yes, it is, it's something that is needed in life. But there was just something else. You see, there was something within. It said when Barnabas came before the council and stood up for Paul, he said, no, 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 you don't understand. Saul, Saul, the Lord in his way, he spoke with him. And then he began to preach boldly in Damascus. You see, there was something in there that Paul couldn't get away from. It's when the Lord begins to stand in your way is when we finally start to say, all right, God, I'll accept this call. So you know what? I accepted the call. I get it. And I'm not, this sermon is not just about me, but it's just about my, 
observe, I mean, this is my fourth year here. This is my senior year. After this, I'm done. So I'm, I'm kind of going back through, and I'm seeing things as I would have seen it as a freshman. And when I came in here, I, I'd see people get up on this platform, and I'd see people preach, and I would wonder, man, why am I here? My word. Mark Stacy could get up here and tear the pulpit up, and we all know that's true. He had an undying passion for this word, an undying passion for truth. And I was like, how am I supposed to get from who I am right now, this stupid little kid, to up there behind the pulpit preaching like that? You know, somehow Paul got, or Saul got from seeing the Lord in his way to preaching boldly at Damascus. Where's that, where's that in between? Where you get from point A to point B? That's what I wanted to know. I'd see Sister Guyne or any of our other student worship leaders get up here, and they would worship, and the Spirit of God would break out, and people would be filled, changed, and delivered from situations they couldn't understand by themselves. And I was just wondering, how do I get there? Like, I know that I love Jesus, and I've accepted the call to Bible college. I'm all well and good with that. I don't have any more questions about that, but how do I... How do I get from point A to point B? Where does that come from? You see, in that journey as a Bible college student where you're going from point A to point B, we were all desiring to become the hero we saw when we were a kid, that one preacher, that one singer we saw as a kid. We want to be that. We want to get to that level. But we're just wondering how, how, why? So maybe we start climbing this thing I like to call the Pentecostal ladder. You see, the dangerous thing about this generation right now and this is not a slant towards anyone in this building this is a generational thing okay i'm not necessarily pointing a finger at anybody in this room i'm just saying this is our culture right now we we see this thing as a pentecostal ladder we're starting to treat bible school like business college you see we come into bible college saying i'm going to take these classes i'm going to get all a's i'm going to make my connections and when i get out i'm going to find the best position possible for me in my life that's how we started to treat Bible college. We start to see that we start to try and climb the Pentecostal ladder saying, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get in with these people and I'll, I'll talk to these people and I'll butter these people up and then it'll put me in a certain status and then I'll make it to this pulpit and I'll make it to that pulpit. Maybe if I can just butter up some of the student leadership, maybe I can get in there. Maybe I can just buddy up to the, the staff members. Maybe I can just get in here somewhere. And instead of that, we, we just say, maybe I can do this and maybe I'll make it. Maybe I'll finally get that pulpit. Maybe I'll finally preach at Youth Congress. Maybe I'll finally preach at General Conference. Maybe I, I can make Make it that way. I'll, ma- I'll pave a way. People do it in business all the time. They pave their own way. We've seen many secular people do that. But there's something missing in that. Most of us deal with the question. We're trying to climb this Pentecostal ladder. We do this because for us, that is job security. When we get out of Bible college, that's all we're concerned with is where I'm going with. I'm dealing with that right now. I'm a senior. I have to understand that after this, this IBC bubble, although it's a glorious bubble, it's going to be over here pretty soon. And I have to deal with there's things in my life, there's places I'm going to have to go that I have no control over yet. You see, we spend our time preparing and networking. We, have a, we get to the point also where we're preparing and networking so much for the impression to say, I, I am a worship leader, I am a preacher, that we spend so much time preparing saying, okay, the song is going to be perfect. And also, I, want, I, I feel like I'm having to say, this is not about the worship team today. Y'all did a beautiful job, Sister Alyssa. Is anybody else thankful that we can move into the presence of God today? This is not about Sister Alyssa and their team today. I'm just talking about a generation and culture. A generation and culture. You see, we start preparing for things. We start getting ready for things like worship sets. We start getting ready for things like sermons and preparing things to the point where it's going to be perfect to the T. I'm going to say this. I'm going to quote this. And this will mean this to them. And they're going to be amazed. And we're going to blow their minds. And I'll become that preacher I saw behind the pulpit. 
if I can just say the right things, if I can just do the right things, if I can look a certain way, if I can carry myself a certain way, then I'm going to become that man. I'm going to become that worshiper. I'm going to become that preacher. And that's how I'm going to make it. You know, we start to take ourselves pretty seriously. Without caution, without thought, we, we take ourselves too seriously. I uh, was at the mall one time. Uh, this is a, a, an example of what I'm trying to talk about. And I went to this place called, uh, they sell tea. It's with Starbucks. Tivana. Oh, thank you. Tivana. I went to this place called Tivana. And I walk in, and I'm not a huge tea person. I'm a huge person, just not a huge tea person. And I just, I like tea. I like green tea. But I, I, I don't know the names of the tea. I don't know how to make the teas. And if you make tea in this place, this, I, I'm sure you make tea with a wonderful attitude. But I walked into Tivana, and I simply asked that we were with a group of students, and I'm just in a good mood. It's the beginning of the semester. I'm not too stressed out yet. And I simply asked the lady behind the counter, so is the name of this establishment Tivana, or is it Tiavana? That's my simple, one simple question. That's all I wanted to know. I just wanted if she could bless me with this tea wisdom. And the lady behind the counter looked at me, and she said, um, it's Tivana. It's Tivana. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Tivana, not Tivana. Please explain to me. There's people out there splitting atoms, and you can crack some leaves in water. Please tell me why your job is so important, woman. It's Tivana. You see, the things that we're good at, the things that we see ourselves as talented at, the things we see as, as a blessing for us, we start to take ourselves a little bit too seriously. So you may be able to get up behind a pulpit and speak a little bit. So you may be able to get up behind a pulpit and sing a little bit. But I just have something for you. It's not about you. Don't start to take yourself seriously because nothing good comes out of this body. Anything good comes out of the spirit of God. That's where the anointing comes from. That's where the power comes from. That's where salvation comes from. There's nothing good within me. It all comes from God. How dare we as a student stand up and say, I'm the reason the spirit of God moves. How dare we as a student leadership say, I'm the reason the movement of God happens in a church service. I'm telling you what, it has nothing to do with your body. It has nothing to do with your talent. It comes straight from the spirit of God. As a generation, we cannot afford to take ourselves too seriously. Because as a generation, we're pretty much inept, aren't we? As a human being, we're pretty much inept, aren't we? There's a word called fallible. We are fallible. We fail. It's what we are. Sinners saved by grace. There's nothing innate good within me. But somehow it's, we've let it creep into a generation. If I can sing the right things and if I can say the right things behind the pulpit, if I can just meet the right people, then I'm going to reach the, the, the edifice of where I want to be. So tell me, if I didn't get the boldness to preach when I first got called, and if I didn't get the boldness to preach from my talent and my ability, then you tell me, where does it come from? You tell me, how do I get there? If you're telling me I can't do this just because God called me, and if you're telling me I can't do this just because I I'm talented and just because I have the ability to do it, then you tell me where it comes from. 
You see, Paul was a murderer, a man who hated Christians. Even the disciples didn't believe that he was a disciple of Christ. Something had to have changed for them to accept him back into the fold, right? It's true. Something did change. You want to go back to Acts 9, 27? It said, he saw the Lord in his way, and he did what? He spoke with him. You don't want to know how you get from point A to point B? We have to learn to speak with him. You see, it took more than a call. I know most of us here have accepted a call, but you know what the real reason you're here at Bible college? That's great. I'm glad you're called. I'm glad you're here. But you want to know how to get from point A to point B? You better spend the time you have here understanding where he is calling you to. That's where you're going to find that pulpit later on in life is you understand the journey God brought you along and say, yeah, I was just this freshman. I was just this senior in high school, and he called me somewhere. But I'm telling you, without the spirit of God, without understanding and talking to God and saying, Jesus, where are we going today? What are we doing today? What am I doing for the student matter today? We're going to get nowhere. You see, something had been placed Upon Saul's life. I want to go now to this is where we get the verse reference for our theme this year. Acts 4, 13 through 16. You see, maybe the reason the disciples decided to invite Paul back into the forest is because they, they recognized something in Paul that they, they first went through themselves. They recognized something in him. They, they saw a calling on his life that was probably something that wasn't about Paul. This wasn't some tactic he was using to get closer to the Christians. They saw something on him that was different. They saw something on him that they couldn't deny. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they, they could say nothing against it. But when they commanded them to go aside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. You see, this took place right after Peter and John went out and began to preach in the name of Jesus, and the man was healed. An invalid. They, they, they understood. They saw the miracle happen. And they're confused because they don't want this. This is stealing the attention from there. And this is stealing the attention from the Pharisees. This is stealing the attention from them. So they're saying, we have to stop it. We have to do something because we cannot deny what we just saw. We cannot deny that a man was healed in the name of Jesus. But what, what are we going to do? They then ask the apostles, in what name do you do this? How were they undeniable? You tell me, how do I get from point A to point B? How do I become that undeniable minister I see behind a pulpit? What gave them the gall to do this? And Acts 4, it said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day examine the good deed done by the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you hold. You see, only by the name and power of Jesus. It had nothing to do with Peter and John. When they came and asked, 
How is this man healed? And what authority do you come and heal this man? They said, I'll tell you whose authority I came to preach this word and to heal these people. It's under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. That's your authority I'm working with. Do you understand? They understood. They understood something that's so important is that on my own, in my flesh, I am deniable. I am a sinner saved by grace. Me, here today. I don't have enough talent to stand before you. I don't have enough anything within me to impress you. I don't have anything. The only thing I know that's going to get me anywhere in the kingdom of God is if I can somehow say, God, do something with my life. Don't take this within me. Take it from him. They understood that by myself, I am deniable. But when you begin to call upon the name of Jesus and you begin to see the Holy Ghost work, that's when your ministry becomes undeniable. That's when become miracles can happen. That's when great things begin to work is when you become undeniable through the Holy Ghost and through the Spirit of God. I'm saying this today because I have such a burden for this school right now. Do you understand the potential that we have in this school? Do you understand the talent that we have on tap here at Indiana Bible College? Do you understand the exact position you, you, you and you stand? We have reality week coming up. We have Mark conference coming up. We have live recording coming up. We have music fest coming up. If we think for one second that these events alone are going to change people's lives, we're, uh, we have utterly failed. It's only going to be through the spirit of God that these events succeed and change people's lives. The only way. So as we begin to prepare for these events this year, how about we just start everything off saying, God... I understand that we want to prepare, and I understand that I want things to be good. I want things to be right, but more than anything, more than anything that I can plan, more than anything I can do, I need your spirit to be there because it is the only thing that will change someone's life. It will be the only thing that can take a sinner and switch him around into this glorious grace and put him on a right path. You see, it's nothing with inside me because by myself, I am deniable. Only with him am I undeniable you see when the spirit of God takes over it's nothing about us after Peter and John had been released by the Pharisees they went back into the fold and they said we have to pray we're being persecuted on all sides and I just want to say we are living in a world where as minister we are being persecuted on all sides our kind is not popular with modern Christianity because we believe in things that are true we have holiness standards we do things that most people have given up for popularity. That most people have given up for fame. You see, we hold on to things that God gave us because it's in his word and we believe that that's undeniable. That's where we stand and that makes us unpopular. And we'd be fools to let that go. You see, when the disciples came together, they said, we're going to pray for boldness. And when they prayed for boldness, it says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they had assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. You see, IBC, the only way we're ever going to be a bold minister 
is if we can somehow get connected to the undeniable power of God. That's what it's going to take. That's where we have to go. This has got to be a huge mindset change for us all here. I understand we're having corral tryouts. It's necessary. We have to do it. But if you're getting up here and you're doing it just for you, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. We're going to have MSAs. Paulo's going to be sending out MSAs. You're going to have the chance to sit behind the pulpit. You're going to have a chance to preach. You're going to have a chance to lead worship. But if you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You see, Alan Redpath, we can talk about preparation, and preparation is absolutely necessary. You can't get up there and not know what you're doing. Otherwise, there has to be some form of excellence in how you minister. Otherwise, you can't actually communicate a thought. But Alan Redpath talks about the making of the man of God, how Saul's armies were standing stagnant at the Valley of Elah because they were too scared to face the giant Goliath. And he said Saul's army was the top of the line. They were great. They had everything prepared. The most skilled and trained warriors in all of Israel. They had it. They were the top of the line. They were it. The elite fighting force. But somehow they were just too scared to take that step forward. You see, they, they'd spent years and years preparing and preparing, but they actually failed when it came to the fight. You see, we can't fail when it comes to the fight. We can spend all our time in here preparing, but if we ever fail to get in saying with God, what am I preparing for? Where are you sending us? You tell me, God, what does your spirit need to do today? In this chapel service, you tell me, what does the Holy Ghost need to do here today? Despite me and despite my plans, what do you need to do here in this moment today? Where are we going? You see, because it took one small boy who walked out into the Valley of Elah and said, I haven't been training for this. The only thing I've been preparing for this my entire life was my heart. My heart to follow God. The only thing he had spent his time preparing was in praise and worship to God. Yeah, he had a hobby killing bears and lions. But I'm telling you what, it took one boy who had enough faith in God to say, I'm coming out here to face you, not by my name, but in the name of God Almighty. I'm coming out here to face this giant in this world, in this culture outside these walls with the name of Jesus Christ, God Almighty. The one who came in flesh and died for me, for my sins, so that I could one day live with him in heaven. That's who I am coming to speak to you in the name of you see it cannot be about us there's a song it's a song called put the attention on Jesus you see beautiful things don't ask for attention beautiful things are beautiful simply because that's what they were created to be see God created everything in nature with a pre-programmed purpose that's why he says if you don't praise me then the rocks will cry out because rocks do exactly what they're designed to do in obedience to God. The only things that do not do exactly what God designed them to do is us. Because of free will. Pastor Mooney said it the other day, obedience is better than sacrifice. You see, there's a song I love, and it's by Todd Delaney. I love Todd Delaney. But it's a song called Put the Attention on Jesus. It says, it's amazing how we've gone after the show and how we hardly say his name anymore. I think it's strange how we love to jump and shout, but never want to tell the world what it's all about. I'm amazed that the one who gave his life is not the feature of every single night. I think it's sad how the man who paid the price is being drowned out by all the fluff and lights. Put, put the attention where it belongs, back upon the cross, back to the one who died for us. That's who we're singing about, King Jesus. 
You see, God, in this year, if we can grab hold of something, IBC, if we can grab hold of something saying, yes, I've been called here. And yes, I know he's calling me to ministry and I want to get there. But the only way that I can do that is through the spirit and the power of Jesus Christ. How about this year we make one giant commitment as a student body? Let's put the attention back on Jesus. If music wants to come, that's fine. How about we make that commitment? Let's put the attention back on Jesus. And we're not going to do it by ourselves. It's going to take everyone sitting in this building. Because not one of us is great enough or more talented enough to do it by ourselves. It's going to take the spirit and the power of God. And yes, I know there's a big world out there. You see, a letter back in ancient times was nothing without a seal. You see, if you were to take a proclamation to the people and say, I have this word for you, they would ask you to see the seal. Is that the seal of the king that you carry? Is this really a declaration? Is this really a word from the king? Or are you just blowing smoke? You see, without a seal, anybody could have written that letter. Without a seal, anybody could have written that message. Anybody could have been trying to indoctrinate those people. But when they saw that seal placed upon that letter, they said, ah, that seal came from my king. That word came from my king. That leadership came from my king. And I will trust that. You see, by ourselves, IBC, we are deniable. There's nothing innate good within me. It all comes from the seal of God. If we can get connected, if we can speak to Jesus, find out why he called us here and where we're going, who knows what could happen. Brother Mooney talked about buying into miracles. You want to buy into a miracle, listen to where God wants to perform them. Understand, God, where are we going today? How can I help you? What can I do? How can I serve you? It's not about us this semester. It's not about us this year. It shouldn't be about us the rest of our lives. I make a commitment this year to give myself away truly to you. To do the things that you call me to do, not because it brings me attention, but because it gives you glory. If you want to make that commitment, I invite you down to this front. And while you're making that commitment, why don't we as a student body do exactly what the apostles did in that day? You see, they prayed for boldness. I understand you all know you're called here. That's why you're here. But if we can get today and just say, God, I'm going to do exactly what you called me to do today. And I ask that you would give me the boldness in that, the boldness in your name, the boldness in the Holy Ghost, We're speaking with other tongues, that we're going to be able to speak and minister at every event this year in your name and with the boldness knowing that we are in the authority of God. In Jesus' name. I don't even...